0: Welcome to the Teacher Transition Podcast, where we celebrate the amazing things former teachers are now doing outside of the classroom, and where teachers who are considering making a move of their own can find the resources, guidance, and support that they need to take their next steps. I'm your host, Allie Parrish, and I'm so glad that you're here. Excited for you to learn from my good friend Dan Randall in today's episode. Dan went into teaching and he knew early on that he was really interested in instructional design, and so his path led him that way. Now, Dan works at a really exciting educational technology company along with a lot of other former teachers. He's going to share with you his path and what it's like to work at his company. If you want to learn more, Dan has given us a fantastic training. He's gonna show you actual pictures of how they go about the development process for creating learning materials and resources, how they test it out, how they go and visit in classrooms and see how the students and the teachers are responding to it and so much more. To get that access to that training, simply go to the show notes and we'll link you right to it. But let's jump in and hear all about Dan's teacher transition. Hey, welcome to this episode with my good friend Dan. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. So, Dan was originally a teacher, and then he went into instructional design and learning design. He's done some really exciting stuff in multiple avenues, and so I'm and and currently at a really cool ed tech company. So, I'm excited to yeah to have you here and to have you share like your path and. And advice and I know you're going to be teaching those in our course some really cool things too so Dan take us back to kind of the earliest stages you in the classroom tell everyone just what you taught
1: and whatnot. sure so I guess I'll say I was a history teacher um, <laughs> right. but my, my path to instructional design was um, a little more direct probably than many of the people who are um, participating in this today and so uh, just a little about me I was um, I was at university trying to fulfill my, my degree in history. So I wanted to be a history professor and um, about my senior year, I kind of realized that that wasn't really what I wanted um, to be a, a history professor. And so I started looking at other options. And the most obvious option was um, changing my major to history teaching you know, for secondary education. And so I went ahead and did that. And um, kind of knowing that like, even though I, I loved history, and I love teaching that that probably wasn't like my, my, last stop, I was probably going to move on beyond that. And so I was already kind of thinking, what do I want to do um, after teaching or beyond teaching? And as I was um, doing coursework for for the teaching aspect of my degree, I had to take a class in this department that I'd never heard of before called Instructional Psychology and Technology. And that was the instructional design department on campus. And uh, I took this class and I, I absolutely loved it and, and just fell in love with instructional design and the use of technology um, to aid learning. And ended up being a TA for that class. And uh, eventually I, uh, I did my student teaching, um, teaching World Civilizations at a high school in Springville, Utah. And after the fact, I actually went abroad to do some additional um, coursework elsewhere. And so when I got back to the States, uh, the teaching, the the contract year had already started and people knew that in advance. So I didn't get a teaching job that first year and I ended up uh, working as an assistant teacher for about half a year. And uh, then I decided that I wanted to go and do my master's and my PhD in instructional design. And so I did some substitute teaching and some other things like that until I got into the program. And uh, that's how I got into the instructional design program and kind of went from there
0: that's so great for and for those listening like a lot of people that go into instructional design a lot of them feel like they ended up there accidentally like they'll work for an HR department or yeah they'll work for a different department of a company but then they get put in charge of creating a training or some kind of learning resource and they didn't yeah they didn't plan on going into instructional design but then they're kind of assigned to it so being really intentional about your path shows shows hiring managers and others a lot about you, you know, and that you really want it. So, okay. then. So Dan went the academic route, obviously with, with going into instructional design, you went straight to a PhD program. Is that right?
1: I did a master's and a PhD, um, but I was doing them concurrently. So,
0: okay, great, great. And then I know that you had some really exciting opportunities. I remember when you posted on Facebook forever ago about like, so I'm in DC and I'm presenting (laughs) anyway. Tell us just a little bit about like your journey and then how did you choose where to apply sure. and, and things like that?
1: So, uh, so, yeah, what you're referring to is I was, I, the class that, I, that made me fall in love with instructional design, um, the cool thing about it is when I became a master's student, I had the opportunity to teach that class. So my very first semester as a graduate student, I started teaching the class that introduced me to instructional design. And uh, I taught that class for about five years. And as a part of that work, I ended up um, partnering with other people who were teaching it, um, to create an open badge system, which is a a way of micro-credentialing. And I won't go too much into that, but it was something that really took off in the department. And so I found other um, teaching, because the department was teaching this course specifically for pre-service teachers, right, who were going to become teachers. And so I found other um, departments across the nation who were also, you know, training um, pre-service teachers who had a similar issue. And so we started actually sharing this this badging system with other universities, and we ended up creating kind of a coalition where we could make more badges and more instructional modules uh, to train these would-be teachers on how to use various technologies. And um, that got the attention of the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Educational Technology. That was a mouthful. Um, And so they invited me to a White House summit to um, present on some of the work that I'd done to educational leaders, education leaders from across the country. So, yeah, very exciting. And then how how did I get started at Imagine Learning? So I was actually working on my dissertation for my PhD, and. Imagine learning had a a guest speaker, uh, an expert on blended learning, who was going to be speaking and they sent out kind of a just a broad call to say, "Hey, you know we have this expert coming into town to speak anyone who's interested in learning more about about blended learning, you know we'd love to have him come." And I thought, oh, that sounds fun. I mean, I was already familiar with blended learning, but I you know, wanted to go and hear about um, hear, hear this. P- person speak. And so afterwards, they um, gathered some of the other people from my department and tried to pitch us on the idea of being an intern at Imagine Learning. And uh, I wasn't particularly interested in that at the time. However, they mentioned that they were doing some stuff with uh, gamification of learning. And that was actually one of the things I was um, researching as a part of my dissertation. And so I expressed some interest in that. And they connected me to the right people at the company. And basically, I said, hey, you know, I guess I would be willing to be an intern um, working on that project particularly because it was just something I was interested in. So they brought me on and I was an intern for about three months, just part-time as I was doing my other stuff. And uh, I started designing some really cool stuff um, and they wanted me to stay longer. So I extended my internship again and they still wanted me to stay longer. So I was like, okay, well, if we're going to do that, then I think I need to just go full-time here. And so that's how I got my start at Imagine Learning. And ever since I've kind of carved my own path, um, to, to the point to where I am today. So.
0: Great. Yeah. I, and I hope that they were paying you after, you know, for that internship. Yes. Yes. Having yes. been there as long as you were. Great. Okay. Tell, tell everyone a little bit about Imagine Learning, where you're currently working.
1: Sure. So Imagine Learning is a, an educational technology company or EdTech. Um, and we have about eight different um, product offerings. And so we um, have programs for language and literacy, mathematics, assessments, at varying grade levels. And we also have a program called Imagine Espanol, which um, helps uh, teach Spanish. And so the company started initially as just um, one product to try to teach um, English language learners um, how to be proficient in English. And it's really just kind of grown from there. and
0: And I know some of our friends that work there, like I'm thinking of Holly, any, anyway, some of our friends are like graphic artists and they do yes. some of the amazing, you know, artwork that's in what they make and whatnot. Um, how many teachers, I don't know how much the employees there really discuss, like, here's everything that I did in my work life before right. being here. But how many educators would you say are at Imagine Learning? Is it pretty common I, or not very common? I don't know
1: how many, but a ton of people who were there came from education. So many of our instructional designers came from, were former teachers, many of the people who work as as salespeople and as customer support were um, teachers as well. Some of our product managers were teachers. Uh, really, like, there's almost no part of the company where there wasn't someone who was previously a teacher. One of, our, one of our developers was a teacher at one time. In fact,
0: I hope this is so encouraging for everyone that's listening to that. Like, I know that that's really encouraging to everyone listening to that. What are some of the strengths that you see that those former classroom teachers have that lend themselves really well. Like, yeah. For, for those who are listening, what would you say? Like, here are some of the teacher strengths that are playing out really well. And maybe you don't think of them as, like, teacher strengths. You're like, no, those are just people skills or those are communication skills. And so can you highlight any of those? for
1: Sure. Yeah? Well, I mean, so it, it certainly depends on the role that you're playing. But obviously having an understanding, having been in that position is really powerful, right? Because you have that, that background, that understanding. However, one of the things I think it's, you have to be careful about is that just because you were in that role doesn't mean that you still understand that role today or that you understand the particular need that this one teacher has. So I think it's a really powerful starting point to have to have had that experience. But at the same time, you have to continue to learn. You have to continue to empathize with um, the user, which is something I'll talk about a little more later. Uh,
0: speaking of, you know, you've mentioned like program managers and developers and all these people. For, for those who are listening, can you tell them kind of the structure of the company, like an organizational chart.
1: So the structure is pretty weird, but I'll try to simplify it. Essentially, we have a couple different departments. We have the curriculum department, where we have instructional designers, um, most of who are former teachers. And then we have another department, the engineering or development department. So these are programmers who help um, make the, um, like they actually develop the activities because many of the instructional activities we have um are more complicated, and so they're they're built in a gaming environment, um, and they also just build the platforms that we use to put instructional content online. Uh, another department we have is the product experience department, which is the department that I'm in, and so we have um, UX designers or user experience designers. So these are people who design user interfaces, if you will, a lot more than that too, but we'll yeah. simplify it.
0: Kind um, of the look or. You know what, yeah. you click on what, what the process is like. Interactions, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Good,
1: great. Uh, we have artists and writers and um, audio folks, video folks. Um, and then another team is the product managers. So the product managers, in a sense, own a product. Really, we all own the products, right? But they're the ones who, from a business perspective, we're going to do this, or we're going to do that, or we're not going to do this and that. And they, Oftentimes, you have to prioritize and say, you know, we, we know there's multiple needs out there, and we have went out and we've talked to people and tried to understand the needs. And of those needs, we feel like this is the most important and the one that will bring the most value to the customer and to the business right now. So we're going to focus on this one, and then we'll move to the next one.
0: Great description. Yeah. Yeah. The owner decision maker, kind of the head over it. Excellent. Okay. And then sales department, customer right. support, I assume. So,
1: we have, so imagine learning sales department is actually distributed. So we have sales folks living throughout the country and they go out and they you know, meet with administrators and other folks. And honestly it's just trying to get your foot in the door and trying to talk to people and trying to start to have some of those conversations about what the products are and how the products could benefit students. And, and do
0: those people in that role, do they work exclusively for Imagine Learning or are they an educational reseller and they sell products for a lot of different companies?
1: Our folks work exclusively for Imagine Learning. There are some resellers in other countries, I believe, um, but we're mostly in-country in and um, yeah, our folks work directly for us. We do have some folks who do training for us occasionally who um, are more on a contract basis. Yeah, our sales folks and our our normal customer support people work full time for the company. And, and I
0: know a lot of oh, I know a lot of teachers in our community are very interested in training also. Could you let us know are those training roles or positions are they on site? Like, do they train in person or are they web-based training? So what's most common?
1: There's actually two different roles. And I'll be totally honest. I don't fully understand some of the differences there. Uh, I think the ones that are part-time are more like maybe some type of onboarding trainings in certain areas. I'm not sure. Uh, But the main role is our customer service managers. And they they do both on-site training and um, at a distance through webinar or other means. Um, And those trainings could be anything from just getting started with various products to... um, very specific needs that a particular school has. And so they might create some some kind of training that's specific to that school.
0: Great. And so if it is an on site training, then they are flying out to right. a different state. Got it. That's and, and
1: those customer support folks actually do live in their various areas but they cover you know a, a pretty good sized area too so there's there are still sometimes where they're hopping on flights or certainly when they're driving several hours to go from one school to the next
0: yeah yeah this is so great guys i mean we're getting so much background and insight into different roles dan thanks thanks so much for that Are you wondering if instructional design and learning design would be a job that you'd actually enjoy? If so, we have a free two minute quiz that will help you find out. If it's a good fit for you, it will even let you know the specific aspects of instructional design that go with your personal strengths and interests. And if it's not a good fit, it will even show you other jobs recommended for you. So go to our site, teachertransition.com forward slash ID quiz to find out today. Okay. Well, some of the people in our community have asked a few questions about about how you actually landed the job. So obviously you had, you know, an internship and it was a very natural progression of things. Can you tell them about resumes and I don't know if you've ever been involved in the hiring process of anyone. Oh my gosh, so, learning many, for you. so many
1: hiring. Um, <laughs> so one of the biggest things I would say is have portfolio projects. If you have something in a portfolio, just a couple of things where you can demonstrate um, what you've done and who, like, you know, kind of what your process was. And you can show that that's super powerful. I mean, we get, you know, so many different resumes and, um, One of the things that I always look for is like, let me see what you've done. And not just the end product, but also the process you used to get to that point, right? Because to me, those are both important. I want something that's good in the end, but I also want to make sure that you're using processes that are are the most effective.
0: Great. So portfolio, not just showing end product, but a process as well. This is great for everyone to everyone to hear. And I know that those in our course are like, awesome. I'm working on my portfolio right now. So this is excellent insight. Okay. Anything resume wise, or do you give more, yeah, like more value to the portfolio? Honestly, I'll look at
1: resumes for maybe 30 seconds. um, But yeah, I really, the portfolio is what I want to see.
0: I totally agree. (laughs) Completely understand. Definitely.
1: But obviously, you know, the more instructional design that you can put on your resume, the better it's going to look and the, and the more likely you are to get through, you know, to, to me, because honestly, there are HR people who are filtering stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I can still technically see those things, but they're going to probably um, show, they're going to emphasize, you know, certain people other over others, right, based on the criteria that they have.
0: Excellent. That's so great. And some people also have questions about compensation for those going into instructional design from what you've observed in the ed tech world compared to the salary of a teacher. Do you see most of them enter at about the same pay a little less a little more or any insights or kind of pro tips on that?
1: So I would say that probably on average instructional designers are going to make more than teachers especially um, teachers who maybe only taught for a few years. Um, so my wife actually worked at imagine learning for a while and when she came came on board she actually um got a, a raise she'd been a teacher for 16 years and so when she joined imagine learning she actually was making more and she was already doing all right as a teacher and,
0: and I, I just want to add on a personal note she and i taught in the same district and we all lived in the same neighborhood before the two of you were married i just i just love that
1: we're yep. like, so connected
0: so fun all and kinds of connections.
1: Awesome. Yep yeah but um one of the things that's kind of ironic is that i was you know when i started at the company i was um finishing my phd and i to be totally honest i kind of negotiated my way into a position and so i didn't try to negotiate salary too much and she actually started um in her position making more than i had started at so
0: wow way to go yeah
1: i make more than more than her now but at the (laughs) time when i had started compared to when she started she was making more than me yeah
0: good for her that's awesome that's awesome. Great insight. Huh? Very good insight. So we'll, and we'll have to have the, her on in yeah, another episode so that she can explain that transition that she had
1: from yep. the classroom too. So. so yeah, that 16 years of teaching was not, um, was not lost on the people who hired her. So
0: that's so great. I know everyone's probably like, Oh, I want to ask her a lot of questions. So we will definitely have her on. I'm looking forward to that already. Okay. So let's come to a couple more of our questions. What are some of your favorite things about what you do and where you work, things, things that you like so and the other teachers might like as well.
1: One of the things I like is just solving interesting problems. And so I, that, and that's actually kind of my position, right? Is I've created this unique position at the company where anytime there's like this big hairy problem, they just give it to me, which is both a blessing and a curse. But it keeps my, keeps life interesting because I'm always working on something different, right? And so that's one of the things I really enjoy. And I really enjoyed being able to do really innovative things. So instructional design is such a broad field. And what instructional design looks like at one company could be very different than what it looks like in another company. At one company, you might just be literally making some, you know, documents on Word and like sending out a, you know, almost a form. Hey, here's some basic, you know, instruction, make sure you've read through this thing, you know, at another company, you might be making something that's, you know, maybe more visual, but it's still, you know, very passive. And and, and it's, you know, hey, we have to have compliance training. And really, we're just trying to check a box, right. And so I mean, that's kind of on the far end. And on the opposite end is where I like to live. And so one of the, the cool things about being an educational technology company that I really love is that the instructional design isn't just something that goes along with the product or isn't just something that's being used internally. It, it is the product. So that means it gets a lot more attention. It gets more money dedicated to it. And so you can do really innovative, interesting things. That's
0: such a good insight. Yeah, because at an ed tech company, you know, or an educational company, you know, well, at a different kind of a company, instructional design is oftentimes oh that's part of training right or that's part of if you need to learn how to do this aspect of the job but in an education company education is the company and so the instruction is that central figure gosh what a what a really good point thanks for mentioning that yep. yeah that's great can you tell everyone what is a regular day at work
1: like I you're gonna ask me that um <laughs> <laughs> my regular day, I don't have regular days, um, but typically what I will end up doing is I, I spend a lot of times in meetings because I'm the director of my, my team, but I'm working with people from other departments to try to understand what the current needs are, where we're hung up in our process, um, and how we can get past those hangups, what the next um, aspect of the design is going to be, how that's being developed, answering questions. So right now, I'm working on a, um, a project around assessment. And part of what we had to do for this is um, create some item types or templates, if you will, uh, that the assessment designers can then use uh, to, to ask students questions. Right. So, I mean, you have obviously the the, the regular multiple choice question that everyone's seen, but there's more technology enhanced items out there. And so I designed and built these technology enhanced um, item types, these templates that mean uh, assessment designers are then filling with content. And so I'm, spent a lot of time in the last few months revising those because we're constantly trying to make improvements, right? And so we're, we're seeing, oh, you know what? This thing isn't quite working. We need to go back and tweak this or, oh, you know what? We have a use case that we didn't account for. We might need a new item type to address this use case. And then I go and design and create that and iterate on that.
0: So great. I hope the context of all of this is, is giving everyone really good insights into like, okay, and they've got people that write assessments and people, you know, and they're doing user testing and they're trying things out with students and audi- like learning audiences. So,
1: so great. Yeah. I'll point out, too, that these assessment designers, while they're not instructional designers, I mean, the, the, the difference between instructional design and assessment design is just depending on, you know, a company like mine, we make a difference between that and we specialize. But, at, you know, another company is probably the same person doing both, right? And these assessment designers, they are many of them are former teachers as well. So That's so great. Okay, excellent.
0: And for our teachers out there, can you clarify for them? How could they have any insight into if they would be a good fit as an instructional designer? If this might be something that you would enjoy, like here are some, some good indicators.
1: So, I mean, I think the best way is if you can land an internship. That's a great way to get to know a company, get to know what it's like, because I can talk about it until I'm blue in the face. And you can hear about other people and their experiences. But until you experience it yourself, you don't really know. And yeah. so that's the best advice I could give. Other things is that if you like if you spend more time, like preparing materials, because you're trying to get them just right, you your teaching materials, or you're you really enjoy making, you know, PowerPoints that are really interactive or that are really, you know, sing so to speak, and and uh, you, you really care about those kinds of things, this might be a good thing for you. If you don't care about those things, that doesn't mean that you won't be a great instructional designer. That's just one of the things that I was always passionate about, and that really connected with me for this instructional design because it's, it's these elements of design and trying to make these really slick materials that are effective.
0: Yeah, yeah. Making something that your learners can really, yeah, excel through, be able to access and enjoy. Yeah, if you're enjoying like ideating those things or creating those things, I think that is one of the best indicators out there. I also remember my last year of teaching when we were living in the same neighborhood, mm-hmm. I saw an internship for a company that I really wanted to work for. And, but I was still teaching full-time and so it was just interesting to think about how I don't want to say desperate I felt but like I just wanted and needed to change so badly that I was like okay if I did this and if I needed to drive 40 minutes to be there each day I could get a sub for like the last hour of the day just the things I was brainstorming to try and like have an opportunity to try it hands-on you know what I mean but so many teachers the things that that they're already building and creating for their classes Do go very cohesively. And if we can find the opportunity to create learning materials for adults, I think that shines through in a resume or in a portfolio so much more any other advice for teachers or Yeah, two tips, two tips for transitioning teachers.
1: So one tip is learn as much as you can about design and learning. So, um, there's so many learning theories out there and um, instructional theories and theories about instructional design. And the more that you can read on those things and learn about those things, the more tool belt tools you're going to have in your tool belt, so to speak. The other thing I would say is just do it. Um, You know, find projects that you maybe in your classroom or, you know, friends or, you know, local businesses and just find a little projects that you can take on even if it's, you know, not for pay and, and just, try it and just start to experiment with the things that you're reading about. Because one of the things that I think we do poorly in education in general in this country is that the instruction and the theory are separated from the practice. And so if you can read and apply and then read and apply, or rather as you're trying to apply, you come across something that you're stuck on and then go find the answer, man, that really brings together um, you know, the theory and the practice.
0: Well said. So well said. And as far as how you mentioned, find projects or things that you can work on. You know, if it's your class, if it's your school district or a friend, I love seeing the projects that the teachers in our course are creating. You know, if it's this week, some of them have had courses on on breastfeeding and some of them have had courses on sleep apnea. And so just such a broad spectrum, but seeing what they have exposure to and experience with and, and others are on you know, training teachers on some reading elements, so it's like an adult-focused training. It's just, yeah, the variety. Cool. Our, our only limitation is really our imagination when it comes down to it. So, love seeing those projects. Thank you for your tips. Thank you for all of these insights. This has just been no really you're fantastic. We appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: If you want to open new opportunities for your future with your teaching skills, then enroll in our course from teacher to instructional designer. This is so much more than just an online course. You will finish the course ready to confidently apply to jobs with a resume and cover letter that are already created for you with customizable templates and with your personal portfolio that showcases the instructional design skills you already have and those that you will gain through the course. You'll receive a professional development certificate that you can share with your school for PD hours. And you'll also have the option to get a certificate in instructional design and instructional development that you can showcase on your resume. On top of that, I'll show you the best places to find the kind of job you want. And our whole community is here to support you in our private course member only group. So your future is calling. you ready to answer? Go to teachertransition.com forward slash ID and sign up now. Don't put this off. There's a limited time coupon code that's on the checkout page and it won't be there for long. So sign up now. Let's get you and your incredible gifts on their way to the future opportunities where you're needed. And be sure to sign up soon so that you can join us in a live kickoff. The sooner you join, the more content in the course that you'll be able to go through so that you can ask all the questions that you have and get all the personalized support that you want as we do a live class meetup soon. Also, the cost of the course is going to be going up. So be sure to jump in sooner rather than later so that you can join us live and get the best price. This episode may have ended, but connecting doesn't have to. Join us on Facebook or Instagram and get the support and inspiration you need in your personal educator path. If you're loving the podcast, help us spread the word. Leave a review or screenshot the episode, share it on social media, and be sure to tag us at Teacher Transition. Who knows? We may even feature what you share on our social media feed too. Until next time, teacher friends, Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. Good luck with the great things you're up to right now and keep looking forward to the amazing things to come.